0: Many of you may be familiar with uh, Advent calendars. Uh, I keep wanting to buy the Lego version that they release every year, uh, but they also make some that aren 't quite so toy friendly um, maybe you 've used an Advent calendar that uh, you have something to open every day leading up to Christmas, or you have a little piece of candy every day leading up to Christmas. Uh, we could probably do that with our leftover Halloween candy, uh, but at Grace Community Church, we celebrate Advent uh, with. A wreath, uh, instead of a calendar per se. The wreath, ser- the wreath serves as our calendar. Because each week we will light one of the candles as we lead closer to Christmas Eve. Uh, the wreath is full of symbolism, uh, reminding us of the fullness of uh, Advent. All that we can celebrate when we think of Christ being born. And so the first week of Advent is the week of hope. And for that long period in between uh, the finishing of the Old Testament and Jesus' birth, there was silence. There was a uh, a tension in the people of God as they waited without seeing any evidence of their hope. And yet God called them to that and equipped them to that and still gave them plenty of opportunity through the Old Testament Scriptures to have hope. And so now, as we uh, celebrate Christ's first advent, longing for his second one, it's been a long season of silence. It's been a long period of, at times, not seeing evidence of our hope. We hear of uh, so much daily violence in the Middle East, and we want Christ to come and to remedy all the things that are broken. So, uh, during this time of advent, it's so much more meaningful for us to light the candle of hope and remember that we have a sure and certain hope because of Jesus. As we progress through the wreath and continue to light candles, the light increases because Christ is light. And ultimately, he is the candle that's in the center that we light on Christmas Eve. So as you see this wreath on Sunday mornings, be encouraged, not only by the themes that each candle represents, but by the simple fact that light is increasing. Because Jesus has promised that the gates of hell will not prevail against the, the, the growth of, the progression of, the triumph of the church. So nothing can stand against those for whom God is with. So uh, as we light this candle of hope, uh, would you pray briefly with me? God, we thank you for the picture of uh, this wreath, of these candles. I pray that we would keep in mind the certainty of our hope that is rooted and anchored in Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.
1: Thank you, David, for reminding us of the hope we have in Christ as we enter the Advent season. Good morning and welcome. My name is Neil Manning. I'm one of the elders here at Grace, and it is my privilege to lead us this morning into the next phase of our praise and worship, which is corporate prayer. And I just want you to realize that every aspect of Sunday morning worship service is designed to be corporate worship and praise of of God. And so with that, I do want you to invite you to open up your bulletin and look inside. Please don't forget throughout the week any of the uh, concerns and praises that we can join with our brothers and sisters in the, in the body. Uh, be especially aware this week of uh, Meredith Goodson. If you're on the city, you may have seen the, the email a few days ago that uh, she had been bitten by a dog. Uh, they're not with us this morning because uh, of taking care of her. Uh, after surgery. Uh, so be in prayer for her as well as those other families uh, the Calverts, uh, David Wetherington, Callie Moody, uh, Lisa Pelton. And I'm not aware of any new items that need to be added to the list, but I'm sure, especially as we go into the season of, of the holidays, we just got done with Thanksgiving, moving into Advent and Christmas. Uh, we've, we would like to think of it as all cheery and joyful, but it, it's not. Always going to be that way, not not for everyone, not every day, uh, so be in prayer for one another, especially as we uh, gather in our smaller groups of home groups, uh, which is part of our prayer focus this morning, which is the the ministry of teaching. We have teachers in our small groups, we have Brad who we'll hear from in just a few minutes, who's up here almost every Sunday with, with the work that goes goes on through each and every week of preparing uh, a sermon that not only grasps the meaning of the text, but translates those eternal truths into uh, a sermon that is applicable for each of us today. We we want to remember those who are in the back working with the children, with the youth, uh, all those who participate in teaching God's Word. Um, <clears throat> so we've I've asked... Diane and Brian to open us in a time of prayer, and then I will close this remembering not only the ministry of those who teach, but also we're going to participate in that. Again, this is part of corporate worship is the receiving of the word that is taught. So throughout the week, be in prayer for one another and for those families that you see in the request section. Father, we do praise you and thank you that you see fit to bring us here to worship together. I pray that you would unite us in heart, that uh, under the blood of Christ there would be uh, a true unity of faith and doctrine. As we seek to glorify you, we thank you for the incarnate word, Jesus, who you sent to us, and the hope that we have of his coming for us. We thank you now for the written word, for the ministry that you have given to the church and for Brad, for each of the elders, for David, Ricky, and any of those who are willing and capable of stepping in on a Sunday to to preach the Word of God given for your people. We thank you for Keisha and all the teachers who work with the youth in the back. We thank you for the home group leaders and pray that you'd give them the discipline, faith, and focus that is required each and every week to study your word so that they may deliver it clearly. Lord, prepare our hearts so that we may receive the word which you have prepared that you will deliver to us. I pray that we would take it in and live it. I pray that you would also prepare our hearts as we give these gifts, Lord. Help us to give it cheerfully, joyfully. I pray that you would grant wisdom to those who uh, decide how it is spent. I pray that it is all done for the building of your kingdom, for your glory. We pray for little Meredith as she's recovering from surgery. For each of those that are listed on the bulletin, and for those that are not listed, Lord, you know the concerns of the heart, the needs of the body. I pray that as we worship together this morning, as we continue to worship throughout the week, gathering together, that you would bind us as one family, supporting one another in family, in in prayer. Lord, the, uh, the ministry of the Word takes a lot, a lot of time, a lot of discipline, a lot of focus, and I pray that you would bless it as we prepare to receive it this morning. It is for your glory, and with thankful hearts, in the name of Jesus, that we submit all these things to you. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: Good morning. My name is Brad Talley. I'm the teaching elder here at Grace Community Church. And we welcome all of you. If some of you are here for the first time from out of town or just locally, we extend a special welcome to you. I was just standing here thinking about the blessing of family. We were well into that first verse of come now long expected Jesus when <clears throat> and you were still talking and um, it's not like you weren't talking before, it's not like you just started, it was, it was. it's appropriate that you were finishing up conversations. Hebrews talks about the blessing of family and gathering together and the importance of it. And I've just been thinking this week about how we do things together that are difficult individually. Some of you are probably, like I am, ADHD, and you have very difficult time praying, it's great to pray together as a body, to worship together. God designed us to be together, and it's a great weekend to be together after Thanksgiving. I know that many of you will be sleep, sleeping somewhere through the service, you know, with all the turkey hangover and all that kind of, but I will do my best to keep you awake. <clears throat> Well, I want to ask you, by the way, I'm I'm going to say that uh, typically, two times out of the year, we do testimonies. This is one of those days. It's the Sunday after Thanksgiving, and typically the Sunday either right before or right after Christmas. This year, it'll be right after Christmas. Because we spent extra time in Hebrews 4 1 through 11 last week talking about Sabbath. Going to be in twelve and thirteen today, and then next week Lee Willerford is going to preach from verses fourteen to sixteen, chapter four. So we'll have a little less time for testimonies today, but we'll make it an extended time after Thanksgiving. But be prepared to just share the blessings that God has given to you. Sort of a, a a testimony or a service of of praise and thanksgiving. I'm grateful for this holiday that we have that reminds especially believers to be thankful for all that God has done in our lives. And so I want to ask you this morning, when we're thinking about gratitude for the things that God has done for us, what is your most treasured possession? Can't be another person. Uh, I'm talking about uh, some sort of animate object that you can touch or feel Uh, if you want to make points on the way home you can say honey or dear friend or whatever children I was thinking about a picture of you you know when I was a family picture maybe you'll you'll get some points for that maybe not but pictures aside what is your most treasured uh, uh, possession that question may be more difficult than you think. Think about it. there's one thing that could be taken away from you. Just think about what would happen if your automobile was taken from you and you could never again have access to an automobile to drive. What about your phone? Not ah, my phone. Not my phone. Anything but my phone. <clears throat> okay, not your phone. What about a refrigerator? I mean, what if your refrigerator is taken out, you go home and the the van is there and they take it out and you never again have access to a refrigerator? Computer? um, Central heating and air? If, you, if just one thing could be removed from your life, or or let's put it this way, what if you could say, don't touch this one thing. Anything else you can have, but not this one thing. Did you even think about your Bible? In that list. Probably, because it's Sunday morning, and we're a Bible-believing church, and you hear the word we've had. Focus. Our prayer focus today was on the teaching ministry. So maybe you did, but really, truly, if You were going to have one thing taken away from you, and you have no idea what it is, but you can have one exception. Would it be the Bible? Allison remembers people in India sharing Bibles and being grateful and taking great care for their Bibles. And what if we just went home, and in our automobiles, our homes, our offices, on our phone, all of that, how many Bibles do we have? And yet, possibly the most taken-for-granted possession that we own. We don't think about, I mean, you think about all those other things. Automobile, uh, you, you're aware of how important an auto- automobile is when your transmission's out, or you know, even if you've got a flat tire, you know exactly how important this is. Or if the refrigerator's down, suppose it goes out. It's like, oh no, you're kidding me! And people all over the world live without refrigeration. But what about your Bible? I imagine if you're making a list of your most treasured possessions, a personal letter from someone you love would be near the top of your list. Uh, I'm sure that you've heard the Bible described as a love letter from God to us. Maybe it's a little bit better way to say it as God's letter to you coming from His heart of love. I I suppose it's the same thing. It's doubtful your fiancé or your close friend ever wrote a letter to you that said something like, now it has been reported to me that while I've been absent from you, your behavior has not been as it should be. And I partly believe it's true. Or, take heed lest you fall into a spirit of unbelief. It's doubtful you get those kinds of letters. I mean, you, you might you know, uh, every once in a while. But who can fail to detect the love from the heart of God in His words to us, even difficult words? I mean, what if parents only said sweet and flowery and nice things to their children? Oh, wait a minute, that's what we do in our day. I forgot about that. It wouldn't be very loving if we never had words of correction, words of instruction, That are sometimes difficult to hear. Today Hebrews 4.12 and 13. Are going to tell us how utterly exposed and helpless we are. Before God's searching eyes. As we understand it through his word. He knows everything about us. And these words may sound harsh on first pass. But when we get to the larger context. When Lee preaches from verses 14 to 16 next week. You're going to see not only the... The, the, the beautiful heart of God, but His great blessing to us in the word that He has given us. The text today is Hebrews four: 12 through 13, but we're going to read through the end, of the end of the chapter just so you can see the larger context. And again, Lee, don't worry I'm not stepping on your territory. I've all mentioned it two or three times here today, but you just need to see the greater context for what is being said today. So Hebrews. 4, verses 12 through 16 we'll read and then focus in on verses 12 and 13. Would you please stand as the scripture is read? 4, have you noticed how many times almost every week it's 4, therefore it starts off that way. It's one long argument or one long And then I'll pick up from here. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. The same phrase that was used earlier uh, on the screen from Hebrews 10. Our confession of hope. Let us hold fast our confession of hope. For we, verse 15, do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Father, those were incredibly encouraging words. And even the words before these last ones that remind us of how sinful we are when we are exposed, when we realize how sinful we are when we are exposed for what we are by your word. Even in those words, there is great comfort and encouragement knowing that you know us the way you do and still love us through Christ. We pray that our hearts would soar as we hear from you and your word on this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you and be seated. In Psalm 19, speaking of God's word, David says, More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey, and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. You see this kind of Expression about the word all over scripture. Your words are sweeter than honey. They are more precious to me than gold. God's people have always understood God's word to be a blessing. David would have had no problem immediately identifying his most precious possession. A copy of the Torah. God's word was that precious to him more precious than gold and sweeter than honey. Furthermore, warning and the way of reward are all wrapped up in Scripture. Hebrews 4, 12 and 13 comes at the end of a long and serious warning not to walk away from Jesus. The the writer had used a great deal of Old Testament Scripture to make his point. In fact, I, I, I wanted to Put on uh, line this past week on the city a link to the Bible Project from from the Gospel Coalition. Allison uh, saw it last week somewhere and passed it on to me. But I wanted to wait until folks were more likely to be focused and not in vacation mode. the The Bible Project has a great synopsis of several books of the Bible, and the one on Hebrews is really great. It's great, and he talks about. The use of the Old Testament scripture, which is like every other verse, you know, in Hebrews is what it feels like. Uh, Anyway, and so the writer had employed a great deal of Old Testament scripture to challenge the members of this little house church in Rome, as far as we can tell, as best we can guess. To stay put, (coughs) as best we can guess where they were. He had said more than once that today is the time to respond to the Lord. And what is it to which we are to respond? It's God's word. His instruction to us. And His word has been given to us so that we can understand that God searches the depths of our being with laser-like precision. And the word does that for us. It begins to reveal to us who we are. Many believers speak about being sensitive to the Spirit, but somehow in their theology, the Spirit is separate from the Word of God. But here, the Word uh, is spoken of um, as being a double-edged sword. In Ephesians 6.17, the apostle encourages believers to take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The Holy Spirit is the author of Scripture, He's the one who takes scripture and applies it to our hearts and minds. He convicts us. He comforts us. He encourages us. Jesus said, when I am gone, the comforter will come to you. He will remind you all of the things that I have taught you. Everything about the word is wrapped up with the spirit. And in fact, they're almost inseparable. You could almost say word and the spirit are the same. Now, there there is... Some difference, of course, but, but you cannot separate God's Word from His Spirit. If you're given too much change at the restaurant, you wouldn't need to pray and wait for the Holy Spirit to reveal to you what you need to do. You need to go buy your wife roses, right? No, of course not. Of course not! You go back and let someone know that they, you were given too much change. Change. The Word tells you not to steal. You don't need to ask the Holy Spirit to lead you in your decision whether or not should we tithe. Really, you don't even need to ask should we tithe to the church. You might ask how much, but even there you've got to be careful, don't you? Because, look, we can justify giving much less or we can out of guilt give much more. But the scripture leads us to to have generous hearts and it gives us parameters, gives us guidelines for how we ought to give, what God's expectations for us. It should be our desire to know God's will so much through his word and to know his heart through scripture so well that we will often know exactly what he would want us to do in most situations. It's not to diminish the importance of prayer, but it's to encourage us to pray according to the Spirit about the right things and hear His Word and just be in relationship with Him. How many times do you have a friend or a spouse or a parent where you say to one, you start to talk, and the other one says, I was thinking the same thing. I was thinking just the exact same thing. When your children are young and they don't know how to act, you tell them how to act, right? And you say, if they don't know how to act, you say, just watch me, do what I do. I saw one time, uh, I've used this before, but it's been a long time, this analogy, the Three Stooges, you know, it was a show on the Three Stooges, and and they were at some dinner, and this German diplomat didn't know what to do. They got all these knives and forks, and so they say, one of them said, I'm going to watch him, and he pointed to Curly. That was a bad decision, you know, because Curly's flipping peas and and taking the butter and slapping other vegetables and eating. But imitation is a form of learning. You Imitate someone and you learn. It's what you tell your your kids. Watch me, follow me. But as they get older, they don't want to hear it, right? In fact, you shouldn't be saying it. You need to let that child become an adult on his or her own. And figure it out, but hopefully the training has been such that they now know how they should act in certain circumstances and situations, and that's what the word does for us. The more we know of the word, the more we know of God. And our relationship is not like, "Oh, I'm going down the road and, oh, just stop." Now, Heavenly Father, we pray to thee. It's a relationship that is easy, that is natural, that is ongoing. In our passage today there is a paradox as there is so often in the book of Hebrews. Let us strive to enter the rest he said in verse 11 I think it was. And now in verse 12 he talks about the word of God being living and active. And yet in verse 13 no creature is hidden from his sight. But all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. It's almost like. You know, it's living and active. The sword is living and active. And when you see it, you're a dead man. You know, when you are on the business end of this sword, you're a dead man. Not so. But there is this paradox. Just like Jesus said, the one who saves his life will lose it. But the one who loses his life, for my sake and the gospels, the same will save it. So here's this paradox. Living and active and yet exposed. The Greek word that is used here for exposed was used of a wrestler who had been rendered helpless by a clever move of his opponent who has grabbed him by the neck and rendered him helpless, thrown him to the ground. And so it's like there's nothing I can do about it. And a better translation might be uh, that all are exposed and helpless. Before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. C.S. Lewis talks about this uh, dichotomy this way. In the end, that face which is the delight or the terror of the universe must be turned upon each of us. Each of us is going to be face to face with God. Either conferring glory inexpressible or inflicting shame that can never be cured or disguised. None of us wants to be naked in front of others. But every one of us is naked before the Lord. He knows everything about us. And glory, we will be restored. David was talking about restoration this morning and the advent. We're hoping for this, to be restored as it once was. When is the only time Scripture speaks of people being naked and unashamed? It was in the garden before sin. We will be restored to that state. I'm not saying we'll be naked. I'm just saying we will not be ashamed of anything because Jesus has taken our shame upon himself. Which is why likely, very likely, most think he was crucified absolutely naked. That's who we are before the Lord. And yet the word of God is living and active. Scripture brings us face to face with God. One day we will stand in his presence. And in many senses. We already do. This word. This book. Brings us face to face with God. It's good that God's word exposes our sin. And our helpless state. While we're still able to cry out for mercy and grace. We ask the Lord for his mercy upon us. When we see who we are before him. Fortunately, these verses that follow 12 and 13 will tell us where to turn in our helpless state to Jesus. Before we get there though, I just want to offer several points of application that will cover much of what we have Learned already from Hebrews in three, 3 and 4. And much of this application comes from William Lane and N.T. Wright. Beginning with one, it is of supreme importance that we listen to the voice of God in Scripture. Twice in Hebrews 3 and 4, Psalm 95, 7 to 8 is quoted. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden Your hearts. This context or the context for this warning is the subject of the next point of application. Remember that a privileged relationship to God is not a guarantee of blessing. Just think about the people who said no. When the Lord said go into the land of Canaan. Get ready for war. There's going to be a battle. But you're going to take this land. Just think about what they had seen to this point. And they had seen, they had been slaves. Their lives were miserable in Egypt. Many of their children had been killed. Their boys, the firstborn, had been killed. Uh, it, it, it was awful lives that they lived in Egypt. And then the miracle started. And they, were, they, they knew. It's dark in Egypt. You can't even, you can't do anything the cows are dying like crazy over there. There are frogs everywhere. And we're left alone. God has shown his favor on us. All of those ten plagues, by the way, all attacking a God of Egypt. God, Yahweh, showing himself. Elohim first, and then Yahweh, the covenant name for the for, for the God of Israel, showing himself strong and Greater than all of those gods, one after the other. And then the miracle of the Passover. And all of a sudden, Egyptians are giving them jewelry and all, get out of here, get! They get to the Red Sea. They see this great cloud behind them. It's fire at night. It's cloud in the day. and, And they think they're done for. And the Lord opens the Red Sea. And they walk through in the Egyptian army is drowned. They're hungry, God provides food. They're thirsty, God provides water. Miracle <coughs> after miracle after miracle and they get the Kadesh Barnea and they say, uh-uh, not going in there. Sin of unbelief. Just because you've grown up in church all of your life, maybe you've been a member all of your life, you've been baptized, you know it all, you've done it all your privileged relationship to God and being a recipient of His Word does not guarantee His blessing. It's important that you cry out to Jesus and that you give your life fully and completely to Him. All of the warning in Hebrew Hebrews, it's twofold. One, it's towards people who say, you know, maybe Jesus, maybe it's not all about Jesus. Maybe it's about keeping the law. And it's also people who are living as if they don't know Jesus. You can't live your life any way you want to and feel confident that you were rightly related to God. It's the warning of Hebrews. This video that I'm going to show, you've got to see it. You've got to see the one about Hebrews. The warning passages are scary, he says, but that's kind of the point. It's what God wants us to see, that that we're not to take this lightly. So, third, if we're going to listen to God, we'd better get to it today. So, listening to God is said at least twice in uh, our text, so it'd be okay to have it twice in the application. Uh, Actually, the word today, associated with listening to God's word, is written five times. Times in these two chapters. And the thought of listening to God now is stressed even beyond that. If indeed the Bible is a prized possession to us, we best get learning what's in it. Remember though, the concept, the Hebrew concept of hearing is to obey. It's not just to hear, but it's to obey as well as understand. And that's what God is calling us to. Do not expect that your time in Scripture is always going to be pleasant. But know this, it will always be profitable if you read it with a believing heart. Always. That's the focus of our next point. It's better for God's Word to judge us now rather than after we die. In 1 Corinthians 11, <clears throat> 31, 32, Paul puts it this way. But if we, had judged, if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. If you were to eat a cheeseburger for lunch one day, and, and the meal ended, shocking as it may seem, with mustard all over your face, would you want to know about it or not? Yeah, you'd want to know about it, wouldn't you? Uh, you wouldn't want... How many times, you know, have you had your friend or your, your, your parent or your spouse or your child say, Why didn't you tell me I had stuff in my teeth? You know? Why didn't you tell me? Well, it just the, it was, the timing was never right to do that exactly. You know? Well, the timing... Look... James 1, 23 to 25 says that the Word is like a mirror. It exposes, it shows us who we are. And we're supposed to do something about it. James is like, really? You're going to go to the Word and God is going to reveal yourself to you and you're not going to do anything about it? You're going to walk around all day with mustard on your face? That's what you'd prefer to do? When we see ourselves as we truly are, then we can do something about it. Rather than walking around in ignorance or worse, in self-deception. Pretending that everything is all right when it's not. That's what the Word does for us. It says you've got a problem, it needs to be addressed. And it's so, so, so much more important to hear that from God than it is to hear it from our doctors about our physical being. Because these bodies come and go. This life comes and goes. This body actually is going to live forever. Even if it's burned up in a horrible accident, you're drowned at sea, and, you know, the fish have you for a delightful Thanksgiving meal. These bodies will be resurrected and they will last eternally But the condition of our soul is what is going to determine the condition of our eternity. Let God's word speak to you. When you see yourself as God sees you, and as he wants you to see yourself, then you're ready for this last point of application. A relationship with Jesus is our only hope for eternal life and for perseverance in this life. That's what scripture tells us over and over. Every time Hebrews gives a stern warning, there's this beautiful word of encouragement that follows. And I promise you that next week's word from Hebrews will be of great encouragement to you. Here it is in a nutshell. You don't have to clean up your act in order to be accepted by God, to be loved by God. He loves you. He accepts you. And in Christ there is hope. Our whole focus this morning has been about hope. Come thou long expected Jesus. We're calling for him to come again. Because this life is hard. It's getting more difficult all the time. But all you ever need. Not only for the next life. But for this life as well. Is Jesus. Your great high priest. Believe him. These warning passages in Hebrew, Hebrews are meant to be taken seriously, but Hebrews, like all of Scripture, reminds us that there is hope for the exposed and helpless sinner in Jesus. And Jesus is not ashamed to call us brothers and sisters in this great family of God. Furthermore, in Him we have all we need. To persevere in this life. Ready to be presented faultless in Him. And that's good news. That's the gospel. Our hope is in Christ. Let's pray. After we pray, after I pray, we're going to take time to just share some of the goodness of God. And the things we're thankful for. The blessings that He has bestowed on us. it's It's an important part of our family life, sharing like this. Lord, on this day, we give you thanks. We have eaten this week like kings and queens. We have been treated this week medically in ways that the overwhelming majority of people who have ever lived had no hope of being treated in these ways. Lord, we have enjoyed the blessing of family, though sometimes I'm sure it's been like enduring the blessing of family. Nonetheless, we take delight in this family that you have given us, the family of God in Christ. We thank you, Jesus. For choosing that Grace Community Church be a part of your plan in the greater church in the the kingdom. We pray that you would cause us to take seriously your word. And that we might find all of our hope, all of our help in Jesus. Bless our time together uh, as we share in his name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so it's always difficult to start out uh, the, the testimony time. You know, it's because everybody's waiting. So we're not, we're not going first today, but who would like to be second? Who would like to be second? And sharing the goodness of God in your life. We get to do, do this every week in home groups, but it's great to be able to do it as a larger family. That is, if we do it, it, it it will be great if we do this. Man, we're going home early today. No, here we go. So um, some of you may know that my parents have both dealt with uh, multiple health issues over the
0: last um, several years, really. But I'm very thankful that through the grace of God, um, both of them are actually from West Virginia, able to travel down and spend Thanksgiving <laughs> with us this uh, this year. So praise the Lord. Yes, direct Ted and direct Carolyn, we answers much for... to prayer.
2: I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was just saying direct answers to prayer. Yes, Amen. It's wonderful to have you here.
3: because Carol wasn't feeling good one day. <laughs> and uh, so uh, I was traveling without my cane. Fell down. Knee gave way. I fell down. I broke this bone in my leg and bone in my arm and uh, the rotator cup kind of popped out. And, uh, so I've been a little bit on the miserable side, and that wasn't enough. Uh, whenever I fell down, I guess the Lord knew that, uh, my right ear needed to washed out because it started raining hard, and, uh, I... I managed to get over on my left side, but my right ear was exposed and it just filled up with water and I I had trouble hearing for a couple of days because of that. But we all uh, just uh, depended upon Jesus. I had prayers said all over this world for me. And... uh, I don't go get the paper anymore.
2: <laughs> Is that the problem? <laughs>
3: but uh I do uh, enjoy uh the wife and we uh just been our fifty third anniversary. Amen. Uh this month on the twenty second. No man could be prouder of his wife than I am mine. And I'm prouder of my Savior, Hmm. most of
2: all. Yes. Thank you, Ted. And praying uh, with, for you.
4: with assuming salvation is as a given, uh, we're all obviously uh, thankful for that. We are. And I'm thankful for the opportunity just to, we all have the opportunity to serve God and evangelize and reach people. And it's just a blessing to, to be able to do that. And uh, on the opposite end of our, our brother over there, I'm thankful for, stand up. <laughs> My new wife and uh so
2: just have to Marisol have to Marisol welcome. We're glad to have you here. Glad somebody's looking after Lee. <laughs> David?
5: Um, right primarily right now I'm thankful for my vision as m- many of you know um oh uh, Back in the spring, I lost vision in my right eye, and about a month 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 to two months later lost vision in my left eye and While it's not not completely back to where it is and it's still it's still improving, I can functionally see I can read the words off of the screen and all that which you know i I couldn't read anything you know in the summer and uh one of one of those eyes surgery was was part of the help, but in my right eye, the left eye is God alone. Uh, the day before my surgery, uh, my left eye started improving and the surgery was uh, canceled. So.
2: Hallelujah. It's a great uh, testimony of how the Lord does miracles in both ways. It, don't diminish the the work of the Lord by saying, oh, well, yes, I had cancer, but chemo. Look, God is in everything. He is in all of this. He has given us the wisdom and the knowledge these days. But what a beautiful testimony of both ways. Um,
6: last year I uh, talked, talked about uh, Debbie going through her cancer treatments and uh, the chemo, and I just wanted to thank the church last year for your support and all, because uh, without you guys, you know, would have been a lot more difficult than it was so I guess maybe this year I'm just giving an update uh, for lack of better terminology uh, whatever Um, but chemo's done last year this year she had a couple surgical procedures Um, all went well we believe we're we see the light at the end of the tunnel we believe all our surgical procedures are done in that and uh, again through a lot of prayer through the church here I just want to thank the church and everybody in the body and just on a side note lighter note safe travels and all. We had a very exciting, crazy Thanksgiving. Uh, our son and his family are down from Anchorage. Alaska. Are they down weeks. for the winter? Are you guys down for They're the down. winter? <laughs> <laughs> and my grandson says this morning, I'm cold. Where's my coat? I said, you live in Alaska. You <laughs> cold? Uh, but um, just on a lighter side that we've had a great week here and very thankful to have them together. It's the first time Um, in eight years I guess that we've had the family together for like a major holiday and that the cousins got a chance to meet each other and spend some time together and all so that's it thank you yeah
2: nothing like cousins spending time together at Thanksgiving how many of you were able to see some family this uh, Thanksgiving probably most of you or a lot of you maybe Uh, actually Allison and I went down to Rome Georgia and saw Linda's parents and they send their greetings Marvin uh, fail has had a stroke, and it's uh, difficult for them, but they're doing well. It's great to see all of them. Someone else would like to share, okay?
7: I think most of you know that um, this past September, a year ago, Mark had surgery for Crohn's, oh, and yeah. as one of the doctors had said at the time, he was fixing to die, but God stepped in, and he's been healed for all this time. And no relapses, so we're thankful
2: for that. And if you're ever at Applebee's, tell Mark you're from Grace Community Church. He gives you a fifty percent discount on all. <laughs> so it, I remember those were those were difficult days, and it, it's so beautiful, just like hearing Ted's testimony and to see Mark where he was and to see him, and he's so pleasant, and positive all the time, right? Rick and Eileen, all the time. Yeah. Jay.
8: This is... Uh, I had an incident this week that I prayed about. And it's kind of funny in a way. My granddaughter was visiting up from, from uh, Charlotte, And uh, she put gas in her diesel car. What's wrong with that? Now, you you don't do that get away with it normally. She was visiting a girlfriend up in Raleigh, and right away she called her dad, my son, and she told him what she did, and he went ballistic. Well, she came home, and needless to say, she was distraught because she needs her car, and she's not doing very well financially. So Ellie and I prayed about it. And I know it sounds kind of funny, but after I prayed, you, know, you pray in faith, I got this warm, fuzzy feeling in my heart. <laughs> and uh, I went back up the house. Now her dad is working on this thing, and, and he's going crazy. And I said, come on, you and your boyfriend, come on over to my house so we'll sit. You know, we'll talk. Get her away from her. She she was so afraid she went up and hid in her old bed. She went to bed. I went over a couple hours later and brought him back. And we pulled in the yard, and he was just starting to crank this thing after he had drained all the fuel and everything. I put new filters. And I heard it start, and I got that feeling again. (laughs) And... uh, we, we gave praise. But, you know, it's funny how, how God works. Now, this was an insignificant thing, but it was a big thing to her. Huge. And uh, I've been getting that warm, fuzzy a lot lately. <laughs> but uh, there is power in prayer even for the menial things.
2: The little things. I think yeah. probably. Don't you think the little thing, that's a big thing. I wouldn't consider that a little thing. Yeah, but wouldn't. the little things that God does, it's like, Wow, that's very personal. When you pray about something, that's very personal.
8: I felt so sorry for her. She was looking at a six thousand dollar repair.
2: Yeah, that's not a uh, little. Yeah. That's a big one. Thank you, Lord. One of our Sun Belt uh, championship game uh, volleyball players.
9: Um, yeah, hi, I'm Jenny. Um, failing you here. I just want to thank the church for being my um, family. I'm a long way from home, sorry. Um, from many homes that I've had and uh, especially the home group, you guys make me feel like I'm part of the family here um, and the support that you've given me this semester. Without it, I would not have survived at all. So I just want to say thank you to all of you. Um, it's God's blessing, uh, definitely.
1: So thank
2: so you only thought we had one Aussie in the, in, the, in the family, but we have two, at least.
7: Brad was talking about uh, all the uh, conveniences that we have now. Well, I grew up without all those That's things, right. and I know how to appreciate them. Mm-hmm. But most of all, I appreciate my Lord. Yeah. And I am thinking more now of going to heaven than I ever have. (laughs) And praise the Lord. He's been so good to me. And I lost my husband almost five years ago. And I'm looking forward to all my friends and my family that's already there. And I just thank him over and over. And I want you all to know that I pray for my church family practically every morning. And also, Brad, I just pray for you and love you so much, you and Allison. Thank you.
2: Thank you, Kathleen. I've heard so many stories about as people die, they see family members. I heard Charles Spurgeon, you know, saw family members. And I've often think about that what what is up with that i mean you know we talk about wanting to see jesus and he is the first one we want to see and expect to see but many times i think the lord just in his love and mercy don't be so spiritual that you forget about what god does for us with each other and how he has designed that we have joy in this life and joy in relationships and i wonder if when we get to heaven Albert will be playing Silent Night on his harmonica, you know. <laughs> that would be a quite appropriate. If the Lord raptured us all here during one of these services, that would be a good, good thing if Albert's playing Silent Night. We miss him. But it, what blessings we have today that we take for granted. Like Kathleen, a lot of you remember, you know, all of those things. Indoor plumbing was a, was a blessing, you know. Uh, so... Thank you, Lord. Carolyn, you wanted to say a word?
10: I would be so convicted if I didn't stand up and say that. I can personally testify that God answers specific prayers. Can you hear me? Uh, I I was diagnosed with uh, thyroid cancer uh, a couple of months ago. i go in my doctor's office and he says, I really hate to tell you, but you do have cancer. Well, I was scheduled to have my biopsy a following Tuesday after a Sunday, and we met, our small group met on Sunday night, and they gathered around me and specifically prayed that there would be no cancer whenever the time came. God specifically answered that prayer. Whenever the surgery was done, the surgeon said, I don't think there's any cancer there. And and the... uh, Reports came back and showed no evidence of cancer. That is a specific answer to prayer, and I am just so thankful. I serve a God that that takes that we can take nothing for granted. He's in charge of every move we make, and and I never want to forget how loving and gracious He is to me.
2: Amen. That is very specific. We talk about the gospel,
1: <clears throat>
2: creation, fall, redemption, restoration. God created the world in a perfect state, human beings in a perfect state. We fell, that messed up everything. Everything. We're redeemed in Christ, and one day everything will be restored. Um, The fallenness of this world speaks to everything in our lives. Redemption speaks to believers. And sometimes God gives us a picture of restoration, what it's going to be like, like He did. In this case. If your case is different. Doesn't mean anything about your faith. Anything about your love. Or lack of love. But when we hear a story like this. Instead of saying. Wow I wish that could have happened. Say thank you Lord. You're giving us this beautiful picture. Of what it's going to be. You have re- you're going to restore your creation. For all those who know you. To the place it was intended. And that's going to be. A wonderful place for all of us. Jesus will be the focus of our worship. Over and over we'll fall down and worship him. But I imagine life will be as it is today, only perfect as well. That there'll be interactions between us. There'll be things that we accomplish, things that we enjoy. The music we heard this morning, so beautiful, so beautiful. We're going to hear it in unbelievable melodies and It'll all be perfect at that time. Anyone else? There will be cries from the back from the adults as well as the babies if we go too much longer, but let's hear a few more. Doctors told my wife we wouldn't be able to have a baby. And uh, God opens the womb, God sometimes closes the womb, but it's all for God's glory. Amen. And Dave and Lauren have a Sweet little baby girl Abigail, who was born six months pre oh, six weeks premature, not six months—and uh, everything good on that front. Everything's great. Praise the Lord. Tammy also connected with volleyball.
9: Yes, um, I guess when I first say thankful for Campbell. And the reason why is because Jared and I graduated from Campbell in 04. And uh, was friends with David uh, while we were there. And four months ago, we moved from Charlotte for um, a job opportunity for Jared at Campbell with our, our five-year-old and our three-month-old. Um, left a job that I really enjoyed, um, but knew it was just a good opportunity. Not sure how everything was happening. We found a house to rent. Um, found within a matter of weeks, um, I was able to get a job uh, at Campbell as well that I like, and I was able to see as a former volleyball alum, Jenny play in the championship game a few weeks ago. That was um, that she wouldn't know this, but the time uh, I had as a volleyball player at Campbell was kind of rough at times. So to see something like that happened. That would ne- has never happened in a long time. Um, but to be able to find a church, and from that connection with David as a friend, that uh, was why we started coming here. Um, and we didn't have to go anywhere else. Um, and that didn't happen in the three years we were in Charlotte to find a place that we could call home right away with people um, that welcomed us in, and to have people close by that we can trust our kids with. If you don't have family, that's huge. Such a huge deal. I'm so sorry. Jenny, you started this. Um, <laughs> it's so. your fault, Jenny. <laughs> um, so just thank you so much because um, it's so important. And we realize the older we get how important it is to, to find a church and find a church quickly. But to more importantly, find a church that you need to get involved with. So um, thank you, God. And, and he's done this several times. We've made several times, and he's always done this, um, where we've both gotten jobs and we've been taken care of. And I don't know why he does it, but he does. So,
2: You know, for every single one of you that says something like that about the church, you are as big a blessing to the rest of us as we are to you. And we're so grateful, Jared and Tammy, that the Lord brought you here. And if it hadn't been for officials cheating, Campbell would have won the championship <laughs> either. It's always the official's fault when we lose, right? Uh, Jenny's saying, oh, uh, no, that's not. <laughs> well, one more, and then we will, if there's one more, you're just dying to say something, and I would love it if you are. I hope somebody is, but if not, we'll we'll close and just thank the Lord for the good time we've had.
4: Many of you know... Uh... My uh, baby daughter was now diagnosed with uh, stage 4 colon cancer about a year ago. Uh, she was on a four-day seminar in mountains in California. And uh, she was in pain the whole time. They got back and, they, and went to the doctor. and it was, uh, She went to the Mayo Clinic. And uh, they uh, did the surgery. They did, took about a foot of her colon out. And the uh, oncologist there told her that if you follow the plan we have, you can live for many, many, many years. uh, But she wasn't able to get further treatment at the uh, clinic, so uh, she got uh, the oncologist at uh, home, which was nearby, and she gave her about 16 months at the most to live. Uh, So... She decided to follow the uh, Mayo Clinic's plan, and she talked to the uh, oncologist. and They followed the plan. They took out about a foot of her colon, and said, "You won't have to worry about your colon anymore." She went. Uh, then they said it had metastasized to her liver. She had two tumors <clears throat> on her liver. Uh, fortunately, both tumors were in the right lobe of her liver, so they took out the right lobe of her liver. And in seven months, she was cancer-free. And she had a uh, colonoscopy this month, and she don't have to have another colonoscopy for three years. Oh, wow. Praise the Lord. I'm thankful for God that answers prayer and that uh, He uh, takes us every step. He he knows every step that we
2: take. Amen. I want to tie this all back into Hebrews, and then we'll, we'll close. Oh well, actually, we'll have our benevolent offering. Actually, the worship team, if you would be coming, and um, you know, uh, we've, medical conditions are a big thing for us. Really, in some ways, it's 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 not any different than the than the people in in, in the little church in Rome were. They were worried about persecution. Uh, they were worried about what's going to happen if I continue to stand on Jesus. Uh, if you knew you were going to die in a year as a martyr or a year from cancer, which would you choose? I mean, you know, dead is dead, right? And and the point the writer was saying is, look, there's way more at stake here than just your well-being, just your comfort. Jesus is at stake. And so even though, it's a stretch maybe to say, okay, when you've got cancer, when you've got a medical condition, But it's not a stretch to say this. It's just as important for you to keep the faith and to stay strong in your trust of Jesus as it is if you um, are being persecuted, which we may face in our day, may very well face in our time. So in, in Hebrews 11, it gets to the place where it says, Some of these were delivered miraculously, some were sawn in two. Most likely Isaiah. Uh, putting a hollow log sewn in two, Um, and thrown to lions. God delivers whom He will, but He's just as good when He doesn't deliver as when He does. If we truly believe all of this, we would say like Paul, far better for me to depart from this life and to be with the Lord than to stay. But if He leads me to stay, if He allows me to stay, I know it's for your benefit, And for the sake of the gospel. So our hearts go up in praise even as we say, come quickly, Lord Jesus. All of the troubles that come to us, one of the reasons is to make us homesick for him. So on the last Sunday of the month, we take a benevolence offering where we are able to impart God's grace to those in our body and those outside of our body who are in need. uh, To show his love. So uh, I'm going to pray, and the ushers will come. We'll take that, and then um, the worship team will lead us, as Neil so aptly said today, in just another part of our worship on this day. Father, we're thankful for Jesus. I pray, as it has been impressed on me so much these last few weeks, the need for a, a thankful, a grateful heart. Give that to us, Lord, even as we cry out in agony. May we do so with grateful hearts, grateful for Jesus, grateful for your love. And Lord, as we take this offering, we pray your blessings on uh, the monies that we give. Uh, May we give with generous hearts, joyful hearts. And then, Lord, uh, as these funds are needed, may they be blessed spiritually and may the gospel go forth from this place in jesus name amen
5: from colossians three, sixteen through 17 let the word of christ dwell in you richly teaching you and admonishing you in one another in all wisdom singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to god and whatever you do in word or deed do everything in the name of the lord jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him. Go in peace.